0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Atomic Shot. Uh, I am your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Iggy, and joining me in this atomic-filled journey is my buddy Tyler. Tyler, welcome back, my dude.
1: Wait, so we're not watching Gamera? No, no, not that freaking turtle.
0: (laughs) Although, maybe we'll do the Gamera series after we're done with all the Godzilla movies, but that's a long way to go.
1: Yeah, it's like a million years from now.
0: Yeah, who knows if we'll even be here at that point. But let's just concentrate on Godzilla right now and not focus on the space turtle. Um, so, um, last week, obviously, we had episode zero, which is sort of entailing our origins story of of Godzilla and, you know, how why we love the big G. Uh, this time, we're going to dive right into the movies, um, starting with Gojira uh, from 1954. Um and, uh, and
1: also for a reference, I'm also going to be talking about the American version of the film that came out two years later, Godzilla: King of the Monsters.
0: Yes, uh, the the yeah, because Gojir as as interesting enough, as big of a success that Godzilla was in Japan in in, in its message. Um, this is the first movie that sort of broke open the way for Japanese cinema to become worldwide and. You know, it started the push to make Godzilla icon. He's not an icon yet, but he's out in the world at this point when he's released, re-released in the movie is re-released in America. Um, so just to get some uh, credits, uh, this is directed by uh, arguably one of the fathers of Godzilla, probably uh, Ishiro Honda, who, du- who directs a lot of the Showa era Godzilla movies.
1: Yeah, he's definitely involved in a bunch of these movies, even though uh, it... Deviates from uh, the clear message that he gets across in this movie. Yes,
0: uh, yeah. Oh, oh, my God, yes. Um, and it's produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka, who's arguably the you know the uh, like the other father to Godzilla to the creation of Godzilla. Um, story by Shigeru Kayama, um, and it stars uh, Kira T- Takarada, Momoko Kochi, uh, Akihiko Hirata, and Takahashi Shimura. I hope I pronounced those names right. I feel like I did. Um, and I probably butchered him if I tried it. <laughs> uh we all try our best, it's all that matters. Uh and of course scored by the legendary Godzilla composer, uh, Akira F- uh, Fukubei. So uh and um fi- and this was initially released in October twenty seventh, um in nineteen uh in 1954 in Nagoya, I'm guessing that must have been the screening. And then in Japan, uh, across the country of Japan, in November 3rd of 1954. And then Tyler, do you have when it was released in America? That was 19... Was that?
1: Uh, it was uh, two years later. I don't have an exact date uh, pulled up here. So
0: 1956. So, uh, But yeah, we're going to be mostly talking about the Gojira version, which is, uh, I think... Is the one that's on on um, HBO Max? I don't know if it differ because it's it's two different versions of the, of the same movie.
1: Yeah, and uh, there will be differences uh, between the American film and the uh, uh, the original Japanese cut. Uh, basically, uh, all you need to know about the American version it's basically the same movie, except uh, a bunch of scenes are cut down, and they are and they add in a whole bunch of new scenes of American actors.
0: Yeah, namely uh, Raymond Burr, uh, who is the most prominent one,
1: who actually comes. Raymond Burr, who portrays Steve Martin. No, not that Steve Martin. I know what you're thinking, yeah. but Steve Martin, the journalist. Yes, uh, who actually comes
0: back in the Godzilla movie, uh, the the, the pseudo sequel, the one of many pseudo sequels to Godzilla 1954 um in Godzilla 85 in that
1: movie they call him Mr. Martin right because Steve Martin's career was uh, starting to blossom at that point maybe I'm not gonna lie dude it's been so long since I've seen that version but we're not here for Godzilla 1985
0: that's another like that's another 40 years at this point um yeah right so having watched this I watched this movie like a long time ago and I think I was too young to appreciate it um but I want to I want to hear your thoughts let's let's concentrate on the Japanese version first because that's the one that's the one that most people probably didn't watch uh, growing up yeah um most people in america at least uh unless you're a hardcore godzilla fan you or um because you know, they did re-release this on blu-ray like a couple years ago but then it went out of print like just as quickly now as super expensive um so but we want to talk about um uh the the original film's intentions uh Ishra honda's original intentions first uh, before we, you know, the, the filthy Americans got their hands on it. And kind of, I mean, they didn't bastardize it completely, but hey, without that version, who knows how big, how popular Godzilla would have been, you know? That's true. So, um, let's get right down to this. Uh, I'm going to sum up this movie in one word and one word only depressing.
1: This movie is so depressing, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, there is, like,. If, especially
0: if you're a Godzilla fan who maybe came out either I mean Godzilla's had his dark moments you know whether it's in the um not so much in the show era, because you know it's all kind of a cartoon at that point but like especially in the Heise era it's kind of dark you know obviously the millennium series gets a little bit dark where he he's like evil but like this is just like um an over sense of dread. From the moment the movie starts where you hear the foot st- you hear his stomps and you hear his roar for the first time. Um, and it's, it's just this cloud hanging over them over every single character.
1: Yeah, there's really a chilling air to this film. Uh, and even before you see Godzilla, you don't really know what to expect.
0: Right. Um, you don't see him for quite some time. I want to say it's at least about 30 to 45 minutes before you see him. Uh, or I
1: want to say it 's around the twenty minute mark twenty minute out, mark, honestly.
0: Uh, they, they do tease him a lot for sure um whether it 's like you sometimes you 'll just see like I know the famous one the one i the one I remember the most is you just see his head and you kind of and he 's speaking over the valley um and he just roars while the while the village people are running away
1: yeah, I like the fact that all the village people try to gang up on this monster not realizing how big he is right yeah um that 's what
0: I love what 's interesting and I love is that they kind of establish a lot of godzilla tropes that are that we'd come to know um like he's you know obviously the radioactive he's a radioactive monster um and uh, well, well, I he lo- doesn't
1: start out radioactive though yeah he
0: he would like we, yeah he beco- he because of the uh the, the, the bomb testing that was happening at the time in real in like in the real world they basically drew parallels like that 's why he 's like that now. Um, just he's he's been mutated by it
1: yeah basically the whole point of this film is uh it's basically an anti-nuke message where just a few months prior to uh, this movie screening uh, there was this incident uh, called the Lucky Dragon number 5 incident where a fishing boat uh, went out and uh the US uh, was uh, testing a uh, nucleological experience along uh the japanese coast and it made these fishermen really ill with radiation and it was a it was a month-long crisis that uh, inspired the events of this movie yeah and then that's how the movie opens
0: up where you see uh, the the fishermen are attacked by are uh, by godzilla and i think there's only one survivor um who i think uh i think that's called Ko, um koichi i think that's he's the one survivor who kind of remains throughout the rest of the movie um but yeah uh but i don't think you need to know that as like like th- that's a, that's a cool thing about this is that like if you have the historical context it broadens it but like um i think if you don't know because like that's something most americans won't know that you you pro- unless unless you actually go out and read it it's not just unfortunately something we learn um i mean the, the biggest thing is that godzilla is a like it's the anti-nuke thing um like, and even uh, Dr. Serizawa, uh who I love, love Dr. Sarazawa and um, uh, Akihiro. Oh, we we'll um, get to him. Yeah, yeah, Hirata, like, before we get to him, like, he comes back a lot uh, in multiple roles, but I think, having the movies I've seen, I think this is my favorite with him yet, and this is the first one, uh, just because there's so much to him. But uh, before we get to that, um, uh, yeah, this movie's depressing. Uh, don't watch it expecting, there's no jokes. There's like there's there's no levity, it you're there's pretty much just like foreboding and like when's he gonna come next or what are we gonna do next, you know. Um, what I what what I found funny is in like where the movie kind of got a little too real for me was when like you have these scientists. And there's a point where like these scientists come down to the to the village and they're testing for radiation. They find out the area is a little bit radiated, and they present these to the government officials. And they're like, we have this evidence. He exists. We should tell. And like the people are like, we need to tell more people. And the government is like, no, no, no. We we can't do that. We'll panic them. It'll ruin the economy. And I'm like, oh my god, it's. And I just got. And
1: Japanese relations uh, with uh, the rest of the world were pretty dismal back then as well.
0: Right. They were worried about their social status, but I couldn't help draw parallels to our current situation. Where the governments are worried about their social status and economy in the face of a worldwide pandemic, so um, uh, it did, the movie got a little bit too real for me at that point, And it came out in yeah. nineteen fifty four. Um, but uh, uh, anything, okay. anything else you want to add? Like, like I, I think what, what was the moment that you when when you like? Did you ever have a moment watching this movie like okay, I need to, I need to take a break. I need I need to, it's too much right now.
1: Uh, there was one moment where I felt like that, and it was near the end when Godzilla fully attacks Tokyo. Uh, there's a scene where uh, there's this woman with uh, her three children in this building, and Godzilla is coming right near it. And uh, in a panic, she tells them that they're going to meet their father soon. It's like, wow, that is so fucked up. Yeah. Like, that is probably the most messed up scene in the whole movie for me. Yeah.
0: Like,. I exactly. and I think the I think for me the one that broke me like that was like like the stepping point for me but I think the one that broke me was when it's the, you act cuz another a lot of Godzilla movies don't do this like I think the one only one I can think of that does it was 2014's Godzilla uh the American version oddly enough where you actually see the aftermath of his destruction um even though Godzilla's not a, not evil and not a not a uh, antagonist in that movie Um, but he just creates destruction as he goes. It's, it's just, you know,
1: well, I mean, it's not really his fault
0: in that case. You're, you're right. But like like the after, you don't really see the aftermath of, of a kaiju, of a monster invading. And so you, you actually see it feel like to me, this, this part of the movie felt like a documentary when you're like on grounds, you're at ground zero for the, for this attack. And you see the injured people. You see the like, probably dead people. And the one scene that broke me was when you see the the ki- I think there's his kids, and they see their mom being carried oh, the choir. A- yeah, yeah. Well, not the choir, but you see the kids. Their their mom is being taken away by the by the doctors because she died. And the little the little girl just starts crying. Like, dude, I started crying. Um, oh my god. Yeah, like, that scene, man. Like, like if that doesn't like ring your heart like i don't know what will um it just like and like like it's not it doesn't feel forced like you feel like you know that must have been hard for for a little for that little girl to uh or i don't know if it was a little boy or a little girl probably, i think it was a little girl um to cry like that like that's like that like oh just, it like it, it moved me to the point where like i didn't hate godzilla but like it's it's kind of hard to like you know, I just want to see him gone at that point because of the destruction he's he's caused. Um, what's well what, what's interesting also is that you have um, uh, 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 Doctor Yamane, who kind of plays
1: like he's on Godzilla's side at, at, at,
0: in this movie for the for for the most part.
1: Yeah, he pretty much just wants to study what Godzilla is all about. I mean, he is a biological scientist, or paleontologist, rather. Yeah. And, st- and he tries to goad with uh, the government officials that uh, you shouldn't be attacking him. You'll obviously piss him off. Right. You need to study this monster to find out why he survived uh, in the aftermath of these hydrogen bombs.
0: Right. Yeah. And, of course, the army doesn't listen to him. And then, of course, every it, it just leads to everything getting a lot worse. Um. In this
1: in this movie... uh. I honestly uh, don't know uh, which side is technically correct. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, on one hand, it would uh, be beneficial to know uh, what make God's go- what makes Godzilla tick. Right. On the other hand, you have a giant 165 foot monster that could potentially destroy everything. Though oddly enough, in the American film, they change it to 400 feet, which causes many plot holes near near the end of the film. Yeah.
0: Um yeah I like and I I like that that duality a, l- a little bit of it that where like he it's cuz like Godzilla is not Godzilla's never presented as evil in this. He's never presented as malicious. He's he's a beast who's wandering into new territory. Um and d- these people are in his way and they're caught, they're attacking him so he's attacking back.
1: Oh yeah, his his whole stick in this movie is he's literally just a wild animal whose home was destroyed. And he's just trying to find a new place to live, and all of a sudden, these assholes and planes just start shooting at him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I and, and I like and I, I like that um, Honda basically allows. I I, I could be wrong because you know the man has long since passed, so it's hard to know. Um, maybe there's quotes online, but like I like that he left it. I I want to say just by watching it, he left it up to the viewers to like decide like what is godzilla you know do you do, I'm, I'm pretty sure i want to believe at the time maybe people maybe more maybe more so japanese people maybe they didn't want to believe that godzilla was needed to be studied there that they they saw him for what he was and that he just needs to be gone um and he just he, he's just there to destroy
1: yeah it's not exactly uh black and white although ironically the whole movie is in black and white
0: Right, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Fair warning: this is this is black and white. I guess I should have said that at the beginning, but I, I still think um, re- remarkably that this movie still holds up extremely well, even though it, it's it came out so long ago.
1: Yeah, the production values for this film, especially by uh, filmmakers from a country who who which was devastated nine years uh, nine years prior, are actually pretty solid. Like uh, the suit for Godzilla uh, looks. pretty... Pretty great yeah that that's I, I actually dig the the style that they went for here,
0: yeah, uh, I was gonna say like sometimes when you're creating like the first version of something, and obviously this Godzilla that we see on the screen is not the first version of him. they probably did numerous like drawings and sketches, but the first version we see on the film, they like nailed his design in in every sense of the way to where like up until. The Millennium Era. It was. It's pretty consistent in its design. Like maybe the face gets tweaked, but in terms of his dorsal fins, his body structure, how you know his thick, you know thick thighs and everything, everything looks the same. And that's that's crazy to me how it's how it's iconic. They made that design in that in this first movie.
1: It's kind of like how they redesigned Sonic for Sonic Adventure. Uh, He looks a bit different, but still remarkably the same. Right. Exactly. That's a good sign of a update right there
0: um so let, let's talk about like the suit like the about like the visual effects before we get into the actors a little bit um uh, obviously this movie is dated like there's no no getting around that uh but i still think there's there there's a like uh there's there's still a level of um of wonder with it right
1: Oh yeah, totally.
0: Like like with with Godzilla, they still make him even again. Like you can only do so much, you know. Back so much with the technology back then, but they make him feel larger than life and real. Um, especially with those some of those background shots, um, or when he's in Tokyo Bay with the with the planes coming in.
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna say that uh, Godzilla walking around on that miniature set with uh, people running in the foreground. That's actually quite impressive for 1954.
0: Yeah, that that's super cool. I didn't think you could do that back then. Like, I thought that was the thing that was, like, in the 70s. Oh, totally. Like, that that must have been, like, super hard uh, uh, to pull off back then. Um, I, I, I think, personally, my favorite shot in the movie is uh, when he's attacking Tokyo, and you have the reporters that are on that tower... Um, and you see their perspective and you see Godzilla's head. And I love that, that basically Godzilla's head's a mushroom cloud. Um obviously, you know, that may that maybe a little bit too on the nose, but it's just terrifying as all hell of both this monster and then what he represents. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think like obviously the films get better, the choreography gets better, but I think for a starting point, um, um yeah I, yeah you, you're you right some <laughs> maybe it doesn't get better we'll find out um maybe it doesn't get better um one, one thing i love about this movie before getting to the actors again real quick is they play it straight and when we talked about how it's depressing but not once is godzilla treated as a joke not once is godzilla treated as like Oh, it's just another monster movie because, you know, this is 1954, you had King Kong, you had the Universal monster movies, which are kind of hokey. God, I mean, like, you know, maybe in our modern eyes, some audiences may see it kind of hokey with, you know, the miniature planes and stuff like that. But the movie
1: itself... But you can totally see the strings.
0: Yes, uh, that's the only thing I hate about the HD is that you can see the
1: strings. I was like, oh... I could cut it leeway, though. It's 1954. Right, yeah. Like, what are you gonna do about that? Exactly. Um, but yeah, God's... Like, in this totally
0: outlandish premise, this giant reptilian lizard who's super size is attacking Tokyo is treated as, you know, like a hurricane. As real as that. And that gives credibility to the movie, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, but obviously, Godzilla, while he is the star of this movie, and, um... And 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 shout-outs to uh, uh, Katsumi Tezuka um, and Haru Nakajima, two actors who play Godzilla. Um, We also have actually a really strong set of uh, human characters in this movie, I think.
1: Yeah, I was actually shocked to actually care about the human characters in this film. Because in a lot of uh, Godzilla films that we'll probably see along the way, uh, they're probably just more or less fluff. But these ones actually add to the narrative.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they're like one could say they're just they're they're I mean like they're tied ty- like their storyline is weaved in with Godzilla's versus in future installments, Godzilla's kind of they're kind of like the afterthought in a ways or it, they're, it's not done as well versus everything leads to them coming together. Um you know starting obviously um I I love the romance between uh Emiko Yamane and um and Ogata the the news reporter um how it starts off kind of cute and it eventually becomes sort of like there's never anything explicit or anything like that but like you can tell they care for each other a lot like you know maybe I was wrong in saying that there was no levity but I feel like that's like your lone sense of hope in the movie is those two
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you could really tell Commitment that Ogata, uh really cares when he tries to uh, propose this lady in the middle of a gigantic monster attack. Yeah. That's Commitment right <laughs> that, there.
0: That's, that's some balls right there.
1: Like, hey, I know this giant
0: lizard is invading, but will you marry me? Um, but uh, obviously we talked about Dr. Yamane. Like, I, I, like I love his performance, too. Um, uh, played, uh, he's played by uh, Takahashi Shimura. Um like just has that perfect sense of stoicness of pride and how he's a, you know, he's a, he's a man of science. He wants to preserve things, you know, he doesn't believe this monster wants to hurt things, you know, and like, he just plays it so elegantly. Like, um, like I, f- I feel like a, like a lot of the stereotypes with movies around this time, it's a lot of stereotypes, you know, a lot of like speakeasy stuff coming from the American perspective versus like you, I think like, you could take some of these character types, these characters roles, and then transplant them to now, and it would still work. And obviously, I think they do because we, I, you and I, would just watch it this year, and they still hold up.
1: Oh, most definitely.
0: And uh, and I feel that uh, Emiko is sort of like that. I feel like Emiko is like our human anchor in in a way. Like she's the most human because Sarazal is is like is detached. He's almost a crazy scientist. He is a crazy scientist. What am I talking about? Um, An emotionally
1: tortured scientist. Yeah,
0: um, like she. She's, I mean, she. I mean, I always saw Emiko as the audience because she's the one who, like, uh, she learns about what Sarah was doing, and she has the panic attack about what Sarah about what Sarah was doing, and you see
1: uh, how she reacts to the destruction of Godzilla versus the other characters. She reacts uh, how any of us would, honestly.
0: Yeah, at least I would think. And I
1: think that's probably the most endearing thing about her.
0: Yeah, it's a good thing she comes back in uh, in uh, Godzilla vs. Destroyer. Her and I think uh, Ogata come back because um, obviously uh, Yamane would be long passed away at that point for if it since it's in real time. But yeah, they they both make cameos again, which is really cool. But. Um, I, I really think uh Akihiko Hirata's Doctor Zerazawa is like the star of the movie, uh, honestly.
1: Oh, most definitely, I agree.
0: Yeah. Like I mean he's a little goofy. Like he like he to me he borderlines that crazy scientist that we would see, but there's like a like a huge sense of empathy and humanity within him that he still holds on to.
1: Oh yeah. As I mentioned before, he's the emotional—he's the emotionally distraught scientist who, after the war, lost his eye, and he stumbled upon a, a, mora- a monstrous invention that he fears could one day lead to humanity's extinction.
0: Right, and and he talks about it like right in the movie about escal- about escalation. Uh, so, spoilers. Uh, well, if you're listening, to this not spoiling. You already know about spoilers. Sorry, sixty years old guys. Yeah. Um, uh, Obviously, he builds the, the infamous oxygen destroyer. The the, the uh, and I love how they tease it because obviously you you and I knew what it was going into the movie that that's what kills Godzilla. Um, but like I love how they tease it and um, that he's kind of experimenting on it. They he puts it in the fish tank and um, Emiko freaks out, but you don't see what happens. Like, Wait, what was that?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I honestly thought uh, my memory failed me because I could have sworn that they showed the fish bones uh, in that scene.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a different version with the American cut or something. Did they even show that in the American cut? Uh, the uh, Yeah, they did. Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
1: Although uh, I should point out, since we're on the topic of the American film, uh, I did mention before that there were some... Uh, there were some differences between the American cut and the Japanese cut. Uh, There are some instances where um, they leave in the Japanese voices in. Oh, wow. uh, Specifically when Raymond Burr is uh, being translated by his uh, army buddy. Uh, But there are other scenes where they dub over the Japanese actors, and it's a little inconsistent. Like, probably the most jarring example of this is uh, when... uh, Ogata is trying to convince Sarizawa to use the oxygen destroyer, and they're speaking English. But once Sarizawa storms off and uh, locks himself in his lab, it switches back to Japanese and then back to English again. Huh. It's like, come on, guys, stick to one or the other. Yeah,
0: that, that is that is weird. Maybe they ran out of time, or something, or the dubbing so, something. It could, it could be a number of reasons, I guess. That that is really weird. Um, but uh, yeah, but I think my favorite scene is when Sarah's when you learn what the oxygen destroyer is and that it could take out this monster. You know, it could save everybody. But I love the conflict that Zarazawa has where like if anybody gets this, they're gonna turn it into a weapon and of course that's what would happen. Um you know. Um, and it's all oh, about most Definitely, like he even says, like first it's it's H bombs versus H bombs, it's A bombs versus A bombs. You know, it it just it, it goes up. I mean, it. I mean, look at the nuclear arms race that would happen later in the, from the night from the nineteen fifties between this and the nineteen eighties between the Soviets and the U.S. It was a nuclear arms race. Um, so he was in, like he was speaking the truth.
1: He's speaking the truth,
0: truth. Yes. Um, so and then which I think leads us to like the finale. Uh, which is they ultimately... They decide... Zarazawa burns the plans for the Oxygen Destroyer to make sure nobody replicates this idea. Uh, which, you know, you, I, you can debate whether that's a good idea or not. Because um, like, what if there's a second Godzilla? What if, he, what if it doesn't work? Um, and they, But they ultimately decide to use it. Uh, but how did you... I don't remember this. But um, how did you feel about the fact that Zarazawa went down there... With I think he went down with Ogata, uh, which yeah he did yeah well, I don't know um, I don't know why you would send a news reporter down there to tour. Uh,
1: well, he's not really a news reporter. Uh, he's more of a he's more of a diver guy. Was my the implication I got uh, like a sailor guy.
0: Oh yeah, you probably yeah you're probably right. Yeah. Um, so um, how did you feel about that? Sarazawa basically pulled the you know the captain going down with the ship um, where he he does he decides to to take his own life to make sure the Oxygen Destroyer doesn't, like, because obviously he survives, he's going to, somebody's going to want to, either governments are going to want to take him, or the Japanese government, Russian government, United States government, any, any foreign government would want him to build that weapon again.
1: Um, I think his sacrifice works pretty well, uh, even though you completely spoiled for me that he comes back. Fuck you, Ben. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, like, the, the actor,
0: like, not Sarazawa, but, like, the actor comes back. Um, he plays different. Roles. Oh, okay. No, Sarazawa is, is as far as I know. I've never, I haven't seen Godzilla raids again, so I could be wrong. But th- this actor uh, comes back multiple times in various iterations. Sans eye patch, with eye patch. That, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I don't. I didn't remember him dying like that. Which now that I thought about it, like, so that's why they got the the. the, the, the Dr. Sour in the American 2014 the Monsterverse one is named after that and of course committing he commits a similar sacrifice to wait uh, well obviously not to kill Godzilla, but to wake him up um uh, which I kind of like that that do that that homage to the original actor. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Um but yeah, it obviously it ends it, I mean like to some people especially by modern standards it it might be anticlimactic where like he doesn't fight the military, he doesn't he kind of just drowns in, in in the ocean, deprived of air.
1: Yeah, it can be disappointing, but I think that it's a fitting end to uh, this film, you know, especially for what it's supposed to stand for.
0: Right, and it's really chilling. I think when you see his skeletal remains uh, at the en- uh, at at the end.
1: For me, it's when, it's his last roar when he's trying to get out of the ocean.
0: Yeah, it's it's like it's like the the dying like roar of like a, of a dog or or any kind of animal who's like that's like right before they they're ultimately taken uh which is chilling because again he wasn't you know he's just a mo- he's just a beast who like you said earlier uh lost his home you know he he didn't you know like obviously the destruction's not worrying it but like it, you don't want to see life be destroyed like that you know in in that manner
1: yeah and i'm pretty sure uh Professor Imani uh, felt the same way at the end as well. Like, the ending to this movie is very bittersweet.
0: Yeah. It, 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 it I think, uh, abso- absolutely. It, it's solemn, it's, it's, it's not a happy end. like, it is a happy ending, but it's not, um, it's very, it's, to me, I would say it's very solemn. Like, you're supposed to reflect on what you saw, you're supposed to think about what you saw, it's It's meant to make it like i i think uh Honda made it to make you think about what you saw and i think it's especially with prevalent with Japanese audiences given that only ten years prior you know some of other cities looked like that and dealt with that level of destruction that we had never seen before um but uh let's move on. i guess let's move on to the i guess uh the the score uh, uh um by akira Fuku- ifukube uh his first score Um, which I love that you get it right at the beginning, um, with the footsteps.
1: Oh yeah, that theme to Godzilla, it always moves me, man.
0: Yeah, Uh, interesting enough though, like, how his his eventual theme is mostly used for whenever the Japanese, uh, special defense is going into motion. Um, I I found that really interesting, how, like, that would slowly change to Godzilla's theme. Because anytime Godzilla would, would, you knew Godzilla was around, was when you hear the, like, the doom, doom, and, you know, then you hear the roar. Uh, But especially, like, the choir singing stuff was, like, I think his score amplifies it. Like, take, like, the film was already, like, at a certain level, and I think the score puts it on a whole nother level entirely.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. It definitely adds to the dreary atmosphere that the film was going for.
0: Yeah and and obviously Akira Fukube uh would set like a precedent. You know, he's like he's the Godzilla composer. Uh any kind of famous theme you think of, uh he's he's you're probably thinking of you him know, with the exception of like um you know a couple of themes, but you know, I I I like I I really enjoyed what he did here and the challenge he had probably had of try of of putting together a p up uh, uh, you know this the score that fits this message this tone and you know everything with it and and all working like so many so many things in this movie just work and like as you you know i probably both know with you know watching so many movies that like sometimes that shit does not work all together sometimes things just don't always click and yet for uh, yet for this movie it does and it, it just makes it that much more special to me um, but yeah let's let's go on to differences between the Japanese version and the American version because as big as Godzilla was' because let's see it says here it uh, had a budget of 100 million yen um uh which is I don't I can't i don't I'm not gonna do it just inflation and it says the box office is three point1 million dollars I'm assuming that's for american American audiences, which that's huge for Japan uh for a foreign film. Um,
1: Especially during that time when uh, they were basically in a sort of an economic depression.
0: Yeah. Because um, like, like I said, as much as I'm not a fan of the American version, uh, without the American version, you may not – we may not have – we may not be here doing this podcast. Godzilla may have been you know, this – it would have – I mean because this movie is not intended for sequels. If you watch this movie by itself – You know, the fact that Godzilla dies, there was never supposed to be merch. There was never supposed to be, like, cartoons or toys. It was just supposed to be this message of anti-war. And, Lord, it made money, and money was printed.
1: As we'll see in the sequels, no doubt.
0: Yeah, especially with the next one. Uh, But, yeah, let's go ahead and go into differences between the American version and the Japanese version. We obviously know about uh, Raymond Burr uh, playing Steve Martin. Uh, but what, what were other differences, uh, between, in, between the versions?
1: Um, well, the pacing is different for one thing. Uh, most of the movie is kind of told in flashback. Uh, the very first scene in the film is, uh, when Godzilla is attacking Tokyo near the end of the movie. Oh, wow. And, uh, basically it's Steve Martin, uh, recollecting all the events of the film that happened while he was there. And, uh, all the scenes that he's in, uh... They obviously couldn't get the Japanese actors from the original cut, so they hired uh, actors to portray them, but from the back. And in Sarizawa's case, when he's calling him on the phone, they just had a dude with a lab coat and an eye patch of, uh, being being viewed from the side, and just saying, "Hey, I'm Sarizawa. What's going on, buddy?" Wow,
0: that's that's crazy. Wow.
1: Also. Also, another... uh, I'd like to touch on the whole uh, dubbing thing again. Okay. Uh, When they're talking about the legend of Godzilla, or Gojira... uh, Obviously, uh, most of the villagers are speaking in the usual uh, Japanese dialect that they have in the film. Or in the Japanese cut, rather. While uh, Steve Martin's uh, Japanese-American buddy is uh, translating uh, what they're saying. And uh, by the time uh, the old man says, Gojira... Uh, they dub over it, and they replace it with Godzilla. Oh
0: no! And it's like it's
1: so noticeably bad.
0: They should have just kept it saying Gojira, and then like, like this is obviously taking from the '98 movie where they find that old man who's like saying Gojira, but then they mistakenly say they always saying Godzilla. Like that would have been a lot better because like he hears it wrong, you know,
1: mistranslation. That's uh, like oh god, that sounds awful. Oh, yeah. It definitely sounds bad once you hear it in the American version. Ugh. And And uh, remember how I said before that uh, Godzilla is supposed to be 165 feet tall? Right. In the American version, uh, in order to make him sound more imposing, I guess, uh, <laughs> like the film a, states that he's over 400 feet.
0: Like, 100... Okay, because like 165 feet tall, giant uh, radioactive lizard isn't intimidating enough. Nah, he's got to be 400 feet tall. Okay.
1: Yeah, and this inadvertently creates a gigantic plot hole near the end of the film. Right. Where, uh, where they're trying to electrocute Godzilla with these 165-foot-tall uh, electrical poles, right? Right. And if he's supposed to be a, over 400 feet tall, wouldn't he be taller than the fucking thing? Right,
0: exactly. Like, if, Especially if you're like a, if you're a smart kid. You get, you're, you, I guarantee you there was probably some smart-ass teenager who called that shit out in the theater. Like, he's not... Why is he, he should be towering over these things? Now I think the legendary one is that big, isn't he? Or
1: he's close to it, I think. I'm pretty sure he might be. Yeah,
0: so like I mean maybe uh,
1: give or take a few hundred feet.
0: Yeah, which is that's that's crazy to think about. Um any any other any other tidbits uh about about the Uh the
1: only the only other noticeable change that I noticed uh in the original, Ogata insists on diving to uh, because he has no prior experience diving into the ocean, right? Right. In the orig- in the American version, um, the, the army's just like, "Yeah, you go with him. Oh wow! With no no real explanation whatsoever. Wow, that's 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 crazy. Like, it, I mean,
0: like maybe it could, it sounds to me like again, I had I didn't watch this version, but like maybe they didn't entirely give a shit about you know this, they just happen to have it, and they're like, we'll just do whatever, and just make... Uh,
1: they... Basically, they just try to dumb it down for us dumbass Americans that can't really understand this, uh, uh, foreign way of telling a story.
0: Oh, we... we yeah, because Americans can't understand subtlety and, you know, stuff like that, or powerful storytelling. We gotta be like, giant monster, 400 feet, Uh, which he's not wrong, especially in that case, and especially now. Um...
1: But yeah, overall, um, pacing issues aside, um, I think it's a decent version of the film. Although, I highly recommend watching the original Japanese cut over the American one. Right. I mean, Raymond Burr is pretty good for what he is, even though he's mostly just a glorified uh, narrator.
0: Expo- yeah, expo- Mr. But at expo- the
1: same expo- time, um, the way they tell the story in the American version just feels a bit too disjointed, I don't know. Just stick with the original.
0: Yeah. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, I think so too. Um especially cuz that's what uh Ishiro Honda, you know, that was his original vision uh uh to to for the world to see, or at least for maybe not the world, but for Japanese audiences to see and again, I like we said earlier, I think uh his vision still holds up and still holds truth for warning today. Uh I think, you know, and and I think it's I think his version is strengthened by the fact that from like and like it's going to be a long time before we get to talk about it, but that Shin Godzilla is pretty much a remake of this one. Like if you like not word not beat for beat, but a lot of the thematic stuff is very similar, um, you know. So um, obviously, monster. Well, I mean, for
1: a 60th anniversary, you gotta be right.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, and and so I and I think that that to me means that the original work is still relevant. Because like you don't have Shin Godzilla without having how good this first one was. And uh, and cap this one off. Let's go ahead and give it a rating. Uh, I, I I hope we're on the same page here. Uh, we're gonna do a five star rating. Uh, so that'll be our, our our rating system. And I I want anybody listening to this uh, let us know what you rate as well. I'm I'm curious. Just put it in the comments below on chartshot.com uh, or or tweet at us uh, underneath uh, the tw- the post when it goes live. Um, Tyler, what, how many stars do you give Gojira in 1954?
1: I would definitely give it a four, maybe four and a half. Like, it definitely has a few blemishes in, pa- in places, and, uh, it's, it's far from perfect. But in terms of what it is, it's a great watch. Especially, uh, when, when you're, uh, doing a vintage watch of all these old Godzilla films, and, uh, where the kaiju films, uh, kind of got started,
0: I, I completely agree. I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to give it four and a half stars as well. Obviously, it's, it is showing its age, and that's just going to happen. You know, you get older, wrinkles start to happen, and sometimes you just can't help that. Um, but large, I think largely enough, the message still stands. Uh, the music is still great. Uh, some of the acting, um, while it's, I lo- I think it's my favorite acting in the Showa era, even, and it's just the first movie considering it gets – goofier and goofier and more aloof as hell yeah it does um which you know depending on how your taste may or may not like it um but i i like for a start of something i think it's a i think it's an amazing start like it's literally it's lightning in a bottle uh and they created one of the world's um most iconic characters um it's it's crazy how he's still around over 65 plus years later coming in on 70 um but that's going to do it for Godzilla 19... For Gojira 1954. Uh, let us know what you thought of this movie. You know, what, what did you think? Do you think it holds up to this day? Um, do you think... Um, you know, is it... Let us know your star rating. Uh, but next week, uh, we're going to move on to the surprising sequel. Because obviously, like I said, this movie made bank. So when a movie makes bank, regardless of whether the director wanted it or not, you get a sequel. Because money... Um, next week we're going to do Godzilla Raids again. Um, so many spikes. Yes. Um, which is, uh, it's going to, it's basically the first, it's going to be, it's the first versus movie, uh, right out of the gate, you know, cause, uh, what's, what's better than one monster? Two monsters. Two motherfucker. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's the, it's that. So I've never seen this. I've never seen this movie um neither have i so there and also i don't think there's an american version of this movie uh, of godzilla raids again i'll have to get back to you on that one i could be wrong so for now i'll say just watch the japanese version if you want to watch along with us um but uh for now uh that's gonna do it thank you for listening for this episode of atomic shots uh the journey's begun but we got a long way to go before it's over
1: uh, Tyler, please let the audience know where they can find your stuff please. You can follow me on Twitter at hey it's that Ty, and I also stream stuff on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at tie your shoes uh, at one at twitch.tv.
0: All right and, and you can find my stuff at twitter.com/ marvelous Iggy and of course tune into the uh, uh, chart shot games podcast every Friday's live stream um uh, which is always a fun time um yeah go all, and go to the for uh uh the, the wrestling watch alongs now atomic shot and Charge and the Charge shot games podcast a lot of good stuff coming out uh from us um but until next time go go godzilla jet jaguar
1: jet jaguar <laughs>